Continuing now with Acts of Yeshua's emissaries, Shalakim, the called out ones, chapter 20. Turn with me to Acts chapter 20, and we'll begin in verse 1. We're going to be going a little bit deeper today. We'll have a greater understanding of what Rashul was facing. And not only he faced here in chapter 20, but also he faced in his journey of coming to know Messiah and beyond. It was not an easy journey. He wasn't fully accepted everywhere he went, for he was an ambassador proclaiming the kingdom of God the Father. Into a greater depth to his own Jewish people and to a brand new revelation to the people of the nations. Let us begin in Acts chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. And after the fervor died down, Shaul Paul sent for his Talmudim, his disciples, and he encouraged them. Notice his life was what? To encourage, to build them up in their holy faith. Because he knew at this time his life was going to come to an end. But he knew that he had to leave a legacy behind himself. And so what he was all about in his ministry was not building up his ministry in the eyes of people. But lifting up the name of Yeshua and building up those Talmudim and encouraging them along the way. What is our legacy? This past week, a dear brother in the Lord, Pastor Joe Sutton, went home to be with the Lord. Now they're members of his family and members of his congregation in North Minneapolis who have been meeting this past week thinking about how he has impacted their lives. He sacrificed much along his journey to build, in, not into a building, not to a facility, but to build in the lives of other people. See, many times we forget about this. We get so caught up in these literal structures. But know this, the scripture says that you, you as an individual, once you become born again, you become the habitation, the dwelling place of God most high. The Father, through the Son. In scripture, it alludes to Yeshua sitting on where? On the throne in our hearts and over our minds. And when Yeshua breathed on his Talmudim, he said, now receive the Ruach, the Spirit. Remember in Acts chapter 2, when the 120 were gathered together, and they were not to go forth and proclaim the good news until they received what? The filling of the Ruach, the Spirit of the living God. And so now on this journey that Rav Shaul has been on, he's been calling people out from the nations and calling his Jewish people to come to receive the promised Messiah. And so continuing here in verse 1, And the fervor died down, and Shaul went and sent for his Talmudim, and he encouraged them. Then he took his leave, and he set out 
his way to Macedonia. I encourage you to continue to look at your maps to follow along this journey with Rav Shaul. Now let's go to verse two. And he went through the area and after saying much to encourage them. Notice this. The theme is encouraging, building up one another, having them focus on the Lord. It's all about the Lord. And so he passed on to Greece, verse 3. And when he spent three months, and what was he doing? He wasn't demeaning the government. He wasn't complaining, but he was encouraging. He was building them up in their holy faith where he spent three months as he was preparing to set sail for Syria, he discovered a plot against him. See, our journey with the Lord is not without trouble, service, tribulation. He discovered a plot against him. By whom? By his own people who did not received Messiah up to this point. Unbelieving Jews. So he changed his mind and he decided to return by the way of Macedonia. Now what we need to do at this point here is to look at this these plots. Was this, was this the very first time? Absolutely not. And so today we're going to go on a journey seeing about the plots that were then spoken or prepared, and also the recipients of the good news. See, God has given us all our own free will. And there may have been a time in your life when people would share about coming to know Messiah, that maybe you heard the words and you just kind of pushed it away. Because the appointed time for you to come to know Messiah was at, not at that moment. And so we have to look at these scriptures here and look back on the journey. A summary of what Rav Shaul faced. And so let us focus here. A plot against him, verse 20, chapter 20, verse 3. By unbelieving Jews. Now, in the Greek text... The word is not there as unbelieving. But we have to fully understand this, is that there were a multitude of Jewish people who came to receive Messiah. And for those looking from the outside, this could be take, taken as an anti-Semitic statement that the Jews, because, but this is not all-inclusive. And so now as we look through the scriptures here, this will become more evident to us. So let us go forward. We have seen in general that sometimes people receive the good news and sometimes they reject it. Their rejection can be either active or passive. Have you ever shared the good news with somebody and they've actually thrown a punch at you? Maybe they've connected you or they've missed or maybe they simply said, you know what, you're out of your mind. I want nothing to do with you. And they simply walk away. See, people have different reactions pertaining to the good news going forward. Or they can be passive. The latter expressing itself sometimes as, as indifference. 
well, that's your truth. That's what you believe. That's fine for you. But I have my own truth. Are we not facing that today? Absolutely. Going forward here. Indifference or apathy or feeling of superiority, even while approving of the believers. So they fell in various camps. And this was not just for the Jewish people who were unbelieving, but also we will see today unbelieving Gentiles that rejected the good news. So as we go forward now and we look at the scriptures here, one column is the Jews, the unbelieving Jews, of them receiving. The next column is those Jews who received the good news. Another column is unbelieving Gentiles who would not receive the good news. And next would be the group, the believers, Gentiles who received Messiah. But to simplify this, let us look first to those who received the good news, being Jews, and those who received the good news, being Gentiles. Turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 2, verse 41. This is part of the journey. Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. And we're just going to be hitting on certain scripture verses. We're not going to have time to go through all these chapters. And it says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 31. And this underneath the column of those Jewish people who became believers. Here it is. Verse 41. So those who accepted what he said were immersed. Who's speaking here? Who's speaking but Kepha, Peter? So they they so those who accepted what Kepha said were immersed. That means they went under the waters of immersion. Which, which, which was not uncommon because when you brought prior to you bringing your, your sacrifice and being able to ascend up to the temple to give your sacrifice, an animal, to a priest, you had to go through the waters of immersions, the mikvah. And so this was common practice. So going forward here. So those who accepted what he said, Kepha, were immersed and they were added to the group that day, about 3,000 people. And us, since we've gone through the book of Acts, there were no Gentiles in that group. These were all Jews. And what was happening at that time? Pentecost, Shavuot. It was a remembering of the time of the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai. That day, 3,000 people died during the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. Here now in the far future, as the Spirit of the living God was being poured upon the Jewish people, these 120, and they're proclaiming, Kepha spoke. And through this, the Lord added 3,000 men that day into the Messianic community. So that is the point there of receiving in a positive way, of the good news that Yeshua is the Messiah. Now let us look to Acts 
chapter 13. Another example of those Jewish people hearing the good news and receiving it. Acts chapter 13 and at verse 43. When the synagogue meeting broke up, many of the born Jews and devote, devout proselytes followed Shaul and Barnaba, Barnabas, who spoke with them and urged them to keep holding fast to the love and kindness of God. Here we see both Jews and Gentiles becoming one in Messiah and receiving Messiah in a positive way. Next, we look just a little bit down further to Acts chapter 14, verse 1. In Iconium, the same thing happened. They went into the synagogue, who is that? But Rav Shaul and Barnabas, and spoke in such a way that a large number of both Jews and Greeks came to trust, put their faith in Messiah. Let's continue now. Now let us look at Acts chapter 17, verse 4. Remember, the good news is being proclaimed. And these individuals are receiving it gladly. Acts chapter 17, verse 4. Some of the Jews were persuaded. Notice that some, not all, were persuaded. And they threw in their lot with Shaul and Silas, as did a great many of Greek men who were God-fearers. And not, a few of, and not a few of the leading women. So here we see another time where some of the Jewish people came to put their trust. And some of the Greek men. Here it also lists the women. Leading women of that city that came to know and put their trust in Messiah. Now we go down to chapter 17 now to verse 11. Chapter 17, verse 11. Now the people here were of nobler character than those in Thessalonica. They eagerly welcomed the message. What is the message? That Yeshua is the Messiah. And checking the Tanakh, checking the Torah, as they Every day to see if the things Shaul, Paul, was saying were true. And many of them came to trust, as did a number of prominent Greek women, and not a few of Greek men. So here we see another example of people receiving. And these were the, the men of the Berea, the, that synagogue that was in Berea. And notice that they are searching the scriptures. They're not just simply taking what Rav Shaul had to say, but they're searching the scriptures because they know this. When God speaks, he's already laid the foundation by the prophets that are in the Tanakh, the Torah. So let's go forward to another example here. And that is in Acts 17.34. We're in the same chapter. 
And here, no, the focal point here is the Gentiles coming to know Messiah. But some men stayed with him and came to trust, including the high council member. Now, this is speaking of the people of that nation. Dionysus. There was also a woman named Damaris, and others came to trust along with them. See, now the good news is not just going towards the common people, but those who have stature, the governmental leaders. And we see now that this is now progressing. Next, we go to Acts chapter 18, verse 8. So we see a progression as Rav Shaul was going on these journeys, proclaiming the good news. Acts chapter 18, verse 8. What does it say here? Let's back up to verse 7. So he left them and went into the home of a God-fearer named Titus Justus, whose house was right next to the synagogue. Crispus, the president of the synagogue, who was a Jew, came to trust in the Lord, along with his whole household. Also, many of the Corinthians who heard, trusted, and were immersed. See, both Jews and Gentiles receiving the good news. So let's go forward here. Now into Acts chapter 19, verse 9. Acts chapter 19, verse 9. But some began harming themselves and refusing to listen. When the, these started defaming the way, what is the way? The way that there's one but one way. The truth and the life that leads to, to God the Father, and it's through Messiah, Yeshua. So let me read that again. But some began harding themselves and refusing to listen. When these started defaming the way before the whole synagogue. Notice Rav Shul's in the synagogue here and he's proclaiming the good news. Shaul saw Paul withdrew and took the Talmudim, those who put their faith and trust with him. And he commenced holding daily dialogues in Tyrannius' yeshiva. And this went on for two years, so that everyone, both Jews and Greeks, living in the province of Asia, heard the message about the Lord. Notice it's all about the Lord going forward here. Now we go down to verse 17 of Acts chapter 19. When all this became known to the residents of Ephesus, fear fell upon all of them, Jews and Greeks alike, and the name of the Lord Yeshua came to be held in high regard. Many of those who had earlier made professions of faith now came and admitted publicly to their evil deeds. And a, and a considerable number of those who had engaged in the occult practices threw their scrolls in a pile and burned them into public. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, it came to 50,000 drachmas. In verse 20, and thus the message about the Lord continued in a powerful way to grow 
in influence. And so the, the good news was being proclaimed, was being lived out. And lastly, here in Acts chapter 28 and verse 24. Acts 28 and verse 24. Most of those other scriptures are very, very familiar with, you were familiar with because we went through this series as we've been preaching through the book of Acts, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, line upon line, precept upon precept. And that's how Jewish people learned and are learning still today by studying God's word and meditating on it in its full context. Going forward here, Acts chapter 28 and verse 24. Some were convinced by what he said. Now who's speaking here? But Rav Shaul, while others refused to believe. So they left disagreeing among themselves after Shaul made one final statement. The Ruach HaKodesh, spoke well in saying to your fathers through Yeshiyahu is Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will keep on hearing, but never understand. Now, who is he speaking to? Unbelieving Jews. And you will keep on seeing, but never perceive. Because the heart of this people has grown thick. With their ears, they barely hear. And with their eyes, they have closed for fear. And that they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and to do teshuva so that I could heal them. Now, God is speaking to through the prophets because he had planned that the majority of Jewish people, not all, would reject Messiah Yeshua, so that he could gather unto himself a peculiar people from the nations. Now, we are now going to now focus on the rejecting of the good news by unbelieving Jews and unbelieving Gentiles. Let's now turn back to Acts chapter 4, verse 11, so we can fully understand the predicament that Rav Shaul finds himself in, in Acts chapter 20. And this is a review, and a review is very, very important, because we can get preconceived ideas of what the scripture says. How do we know the mind of the Lord? By studying God's word, that we gain his mind and his insight on this. So Acts chapter 4 and verse 11. This Yeshua is a stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. And also Acts chapter 5, verse 17. But the Kohen Haggadal, the high priest, and his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. Why were they jealous? Because there was a following after Yeshua, after Yeshua died. 
going forward here. Now we go to Acts chapter 6, verse 11. Acts chapter 6, verse 11. So they secretly persuaded some men in the village to allege, we have heard him speaking blasphemy against Moshe and against God. And who is setting this up? But unbelieving Jews. And who's it against? It's against Timothy here in this portion of scripture. Now let us go down to, me, let me finish that, verse, uh, verse 11, going to verse 14. So they secretly persuaded some men to allege, we have heard him speaking blasphemously against Moshe and against God. They stirred up the people, and as the elders and the Torah teachers, so they came and arrested him, and they led him before the Sanhedrin. There they set up false witnesses who said, this man never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the Torah. Remember, this is false accusations. For we have heard him say that Yeshua from Nazareth, Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs Moshe has handed down to us. And so here they're, they're doing all this. In the next verse, it says this. Everyone sitting in the Sanhedrin then stared at whom? At Stephen. And saw that his face looked like that, the face of an angel. Now, let us move forward to Acts chapter 7, verse 54. Acts chapter 7, verse 54. Remember now, we're in the area here of active opposition by those who are unbelieving Jews. Acts chapter 7 and beginning at verse 54. I'm going to back up to, to verse 51. Stiff-necked people and uncircumcised hearts and ears, you continually oppose the Ruach HaKodesh. And you do the same things your fathers did. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who told in, it, who told in advance about the coming of the Zedek, the righteous one. And who's the righteous one? but Messiah himself going forward. And now you become his betrayers and murderers. You who received the Torah as having been delivered by angels, but you do not keep it. Now, Stephen goes on to say this, verse 54. On hearing these things, they were cut to their hearts and grounded their teeth at him. But he full of the Ruach HaKodesh, looked up to heaven and saw God's Shekinah, his Shekinah, his glory, with Yeshua standing at the right hand of God. Look, he exclaimed, I see heaven opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And at this they began yelling at the top of their voices so that they wouldn't, wouldn't have to hear him. And with one accord they rushed him. Who's rushing him? Unbelieving Jews. Who are they coming against? A fellow Jew, who's a Messianic Jew, Stephen. 
And as they began yelling at the top of their voices so that they wouldn't have to hear him, with one accord they rushed him and threw him outside the city and began stoning him. And the witness laid down their coats at the feet of a young man named whom? Shaul, the Apostle Paul. See, at one time he was an unbelieving instigator of persecuting those who followed the way. Going forward here. As they were stoning him, Stephen called out to God, Lord Yeshua, receive my spirit. Then he kneeled down and shouted out, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. And with that, he died. Notice that. How are we to treat unbelievers? With kindness and love and mercy. And to pray to the Father that their persecution against us, that they be forgiven of their sin. See, it's all about redemption. Going forward here in chapter 8, verse 1. And Shaul gave his approval to his murder. See, Rav Shaul was once an unbelieving Jew that did not believe that Yeshua is the promised Messiah. But now 20 chapters in the future, he has been redeemed. He's a brand new man. And he's there proclaiming. He's laying down his life facing persecution and trials, hatred. They're trying to kill him. Both unbelieving Jews and unbelieving Gentiles, they want to silence him. Going forward here. And Shaul gave his approval to his murder. Whose murder? Stephen's. Starting with that day, then arose intense persecution against the Messianic community in Jerusalem. And all but the emissaries were scattered throughout the regions of Yehuda, Judah, and Sharon. Some godly men buried Stephen and mourned him deeply. But Shaul set out to destroy the Messianic community. So, if you look at in this context, what he sowed as being an un-Jewish, unbelieving Jewish man, once he became a believing in Messiah, he reaped that. And he fully understood that those that were persecuting him and plotting against him, they were doing it with their eyes being blinded to God's redemptive plan and his truth. And that's why Rashaul could have compassion because he was at one time in his life an unbelieving Jew in the area of Yeshua being the promised Messiah. But when the veil was lifted from his eyes, he went forward and the Lord warned him. He said, you're going to be persecuted and suffer much for my, Yeshua speaking, his namesake. Both from fellow Jews, his own kinsmen, and people from the nations. So this is a fulfillment of prophecy in Rav Shaul's life. Let's go forward here. Verse 2, 
Some godly men buried Stephen and mourned him deeply, but Shaul set out to destroy the Messianic community. Entering house after house, he dragged off both men and women and handed them over to be put into prison. However, those who were scattered announced the good news of the word wherever they went. And you know what? Historically, when does the body of Messiah grow? It's in the midst of persecution and trials. Historically, the body of Messiah, both Jews and Gentiles, have grown more during the time of persecution. Plots against individuals, false accusations. And Yeshua warned us, he said, just as they have treated me this world, the unbelievers, let's all put them in one camp. Unbelieving Jews and unbelieving Gentiles will do the same against us. But to know this, that we can offer our bodies as a holy and living sacrifice. Ravshu will be quoting this later in these scriptures, that he offered his life out as a, poured out as a drink offering on God's altar. And to know this, that even if we face persecution, no matter what we face in our lives, the Lord has orchestrated this and he given us the strength for us to endure and to overcome. Death, where's your sting? But to know this, even as our country changes, and I fully believe this, believers, both Jews and Gentiles, one and Messiah, will come under greater persecution than ever before, because we're in the, entering into these latter days. But we're not to walk by fear, but by walk by the example of Rav Shul. So he knew that they were plotting against him. But he had love and compassion in his heart towards these people. Let's continue here with this active opposition. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Acts chapter 9, 29, right next door. He talked, who's speaking here, but Rav Shaul. He talked and he debated with Greek-speaking Jews. But they began making attempts to do what? To kill him. Now he's beginning to reap what he sowed. When the brothers learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea, and they sent him away to Tarsus. They sent him back home. That's where Rashi was born in Tarsus. Now let's go to chapter 12, verses 3 and 4. Chapter 12, verses 3 and 4. See, this is a summary of his life and his ministry. Chapter 12, verses 3 and 4. When Herod had saw how this pleased the Judeans, he went on to arrest Kepha as well. It was during the days of matzah. What are we about to celebrate very soon? The days of matzah. To put it in the context for us. So when Herod seized him, he threw him into prison and handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers. 
each with the intention of bringing him to public trial before when? Pesach, before Passover. So Kepha was being held under watch in prison, but intense prayer was being made to God on his behalf by the Messianic community. See, when we face trials and tribulations, we say, well, that's on you, Rabbi Frank. I'm going to go hide now. No, we're to enter into prayer and intercession that the Lord will bring about deliverance for us. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now let us continue here in chapter 12, verse 1. We just go up here a little bit. Now the focal point here is unbelieving Gentiles having active opposition. And what was Herod? He was a Gentile. He wasn't a Jew. Verse 12, chapter 12, verse 1. It was around this time that King Herod began arresting and persecuting certain members of the Messianic community. And he had Yaakov. In some of your translation, that is James. Yohanan's brother put to death by the sword. And when Herod saw how much this pleased the Judeans, he went on to arrest Kepha, who is Peter as well. And it was during the days of Matzah. So when Herod seized him, he threw him into prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers, each with the intention of bringing him to public trial before Pesach. Maybe asking, Rabbi Frank, why are you reading the same portion of scripture? Because that's how we learn line upon line, precept upon precept. Let us go forward now here to verse number 19 of chapter number 12. Herod had a thorough search made for him, but he failed to find him. So he cross-examined the guards and ordered them put to death. Then Herod went down from Yehuda to Caesarea, where he spent some time there. See, the ongoing persecution of Jewish believers. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now going down to Acts chapter 16, 16. Acts chapter 16, 16. We continue on this journey. Acts 16, 16. Once again, we were going to their place where the minion gathered. There's a group of 10 men, Jewish men. We were met by a slave girl who had in her a snake spirit that enabled her to predict the future. She earned a lot of money for her owners by telling fortunes. Now going down to Acts chapter 19, verse 23. Acts 19.23. 
And it was, a, was at this time that a major fervor arose concerning the way. This speaks to the proclaiming of the good news and that these Gentiles were angry. These unbelieving Gentiles were very, very angry of what was going forward. Now we go to Acts chapter 21, verse 27. Back to the unbelieving Jews showing active opposition towards the good news. And you know when they rail against the good news, we're not to take it personally. Because they want to attack Messiah Yeshua. They want to attack God the Father, but they can't touch them, but they can touch us. Going forward here. Acts chapter 21 Verse 27. The seven days were almost up when some unbelieving Jews from the providence of Asia saw him in the temple. Who did they see? Shaul. And stirred up all those, all the crowd and grabbed him. And so they're bringing persecution against Rav Shaul the Apostle. Now let us go now to Acts chapter 9 verses 23 and 24. Acts chapter 9 verses 23 and 24. Quite some time later the non-believing Jews gathered together and made plans to kill him. Who do they want to kill? But Rav Shaul, but their plot began known to Shaul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to do away with him. But under the cover of night, his Talmudim, his disciples, took him and let him down over the seawall, lowering him in a large basket. Continuing now to Acts chapter 13, verse 45. Continued active opposition against the good news. Acts chapter 15, verse 45. But when the Jews who had not believed saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. And they spoke up against what Shaul was saying in they insulted him. And then Acts chapter 13, verse 50. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the women, God-fearers of high social standing, and the leading men of the city. And they organized persecution against Shaul and Barnaba, Barnabas, and expelled them from their district. So the persecution continues. Acts chapter 14 and verse 19. Then some unbelieving Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and they won over the crowds and stoned Shaul. Notice that. They're able to take a hold of him, and they stoned him. And they dragged him outside of the city, thinking that he was dead. But as the Talmudim gathered around him, got up, he went back into the town. The next day, he left with Barnaba, Barnabas for Derby. Going on here to 
up ahead here to Acts chapter 14, verses 2 and 5. But the Jews who were not persuaded, persuaded to what? To believe that Yeshua was the Messiah, stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Were the brothers here? With Shaul and Barnabas. And verse 19. Then some unbelieving Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and they won over the crowds and stoned Shaul and dragged him outside the city, thinking that he was dead. I know I read that scripture before. Now let us go now, turn to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, beginning at verse 5. But the unbelieving Jews grew jealous, so they got together some vicious men from the vicious from the riffraff hanging around the marketplace and collected a crowd and started a riot in the city. They attacked Jason's house, hoping to bring Shaul and Silah out to the mob. And verse 8. Their words, words threw the crowd and the authorities into a turmoil. And verse 13. But when the unbelieving Jews of Thessalonica learned that the word of God had been proclaimed by Shaul in Berea as well, they went there to make what? Trouble and to agitate the crowds. See, this was ongoing. Now, going to Acts chapter 18, 6. Acts chapter 18, 6. However, when they set themselves against him, they began hurling insults. He shook out his clothes and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads, or of my part I am clean. And from now on I will now go what? To the nations to proclaim the good news. But we know this by studying the life of Rab Shaul. He always proclaimed the good news to the Jew first. Because out of them, he was gathering a small remnant. Just like he was speaking to the nations and gathering from them a small remnant, which would become the body, the bride of Messiah. Both Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah, being called out. Continuing here in verses 12 and 13 of Acts chapter 18. But when Galileo became the Roman governor of Acacia, the unbelieving Jews made a concerned attack on Shaul, and they took him to court, saying, this man is trying to persuade people to worship God in ways that violate the Torah. See, the, we are hearing these false charges. Now going to Acts chapter 19.9. Acts chapter 19.9. But some began hardening themselves and refusing to listen. Just like Pharaoh. When he saw God's miracles. And his plagues. He began to harden his own heart. See we have our own free will. And you can harden your, your heart against the Lord. What will be the truth of those in the latter days? When he brings upon his wrath upon this earth. 
It says that the people living at that day will begin to harden their hearts. Going forward here. And refusing to listen. And when these, these started defaming the way before the whole synagogue, Shaul withdrew and took his Talmudim with them and commenced holding daily dialogues in Tyrannius's yeshiva. So he didn't stop proclaiming the good news. He continued. Now going to chapter 20, verse 3. Before we begin. Acts chapter 20 and verse 3. And where he spent three months as he was preparing to set sail for Syria, he discovered a plot against him by unbelieving Jews. So he changed his mind and decided to return by the way of Macedonia. Now we have a different group, both Jews and Gentiles. These are rejecting the good news, but they're not active opposition. They're not trying to stone you. They're not trying to... To, to harm you, but they're indifferent. And here are the, the examples. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. And I have to have this as a setting. So now the people were praising God and having respect with all the people. Who's that speaking up but the Messianic community? And day after the day, the Lord kept adding to them those who are being saved. So that's the setting of what the Lord is doing as he poured out his spirit upon all people. But now we go to Acts chapter 4, verse 19. Acts chapter 4, verse 19. We see how things change. But Kepha... Peter and Yohanan John answered, you must judge whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you or rather God. As for us, we can't keep talking about what we've actually seen and heard. And they threatened them some more, but finally let them go. Notice here are weightless threats. They couldn't punish them because of the people, for everyone who was praising God over and over on what had happened. Since the man who had been miraculously healed was more than 40 years old. Now going to Acts chapter 5, verse 34. Acts chapter 5, verse 34. But the, one of the members of the Sanhedrin now rose to his feet. A parush, a Pharisee named Gamiel. A lot of us are familiar with him. A teacher of the Torah, high res respected by all the people. He ordered the men put outside for a little while. And who are these two men? But Kepha and Yohanan, John. For a little while, and then he addressed the court. Now he's speaking before the hands, so the whole Sanhedrin. He's trying to give them some advice. Men of Israel, take care of what you do to these people. 
Some time ago, there was rebellion under Toda, who claimed to be somebody special. And a number of men, maybe 400, rallied behind him. But upon his being put to death, his whole following was broken up and came to nothing. After this, Yehuda of Hageli led another uprising. But back at that time of the enrollment of the Roman tax, and he got some people to defect to him, but he was killed and his followers were scattered. So in this present case, my advice to you is not to interfere with these people, but to leave them alone. For if this idea or this movement has a human origin, it will collapse. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop them. You might even find yourselves fighting against God. They heeded his advice. And after summoning the emissaries and flogging him, they commanded them not to speak in the name of Yeshua and let them go. The emissaries left the Sanhedrin overjoyed at having been considered worthy of suffering disgrace on the account of him. And not for a single day, either in the temple court or in private homes, did they stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Yeshua is the Messiah. See, it didn't stop them. Now we look here at the indifference from the Gentiles, non-believers. Acts chapter 17, 32. Acts chapter 17 and verse 32. At the mention of the resurrection of the dead, people, some began to scoff, while others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. See, there was openness, but others began scoffers. And what is one of the signs of the latter days? That there will be people scoffing the good news of Messiah Yeshua. Next, we go to Acts chapter 26, 24, and 28. Acts chapter 26, verse 24 and 28. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. And he set sail, and he sent for Shaul and listened to him as he spoke about trusting in Messiah Yeshua. But when, Felix, but when Shaul began to discuss righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix became frightened and said, for the time being, go away. I will send for you when I get a chance. And at that time, he hoped that Shaul would offer him a bribe. So he sent him rather often and kept talking with him. And after two years, Felix was succeeded by Procurius Festus. But because Felix wanted to grant the Judeans a favor, he left Shaul still as a, per, as a prisoner. Here we see the ongoing persecution. And then finally here, 
we'll complete today in Acts chapter 28, beginning at verse 24. Acts 28, 24. Some were convinced by what he said. Now, who's speaking here but, but uh, Rav Shaul? While others refused to believe. So they left disagreeing among themselves after Shaul made one final statement. The Ruach HaKodesh spoke well in saying to your fathers through Yeshiahu Isaiah the prophet. Go to this people and say, you will keep on hearing but never understand. You will keep on seeing but never perceive, because the heart of this people has grown thick. With their ears they barely hear, and with their eyes, and their eyes they have closed, for fear that they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and do teshuva, which is acts of repentance, so that I could heal them. And who is speaking there? But the Lord through his prophet Isaiah. And so we see here that there was great opposition, both from unbelieving Jews, unbelieving Gentiles. Some of it was very violent. Some of it was passive. And some, it was complete indifference. And the scriptures that I was about to share, but we're going to end this portion of the teaching, the preaching today. I would like for you to read Acts, excuse me, Romans chapter 10 in its full context, and also Romans chapter 11. So it gives you the setting of why a veil, a blinder, and the nation of Israel as a whole has been blinded temporarily. They have not been forsaken of God. God has not rejected them and his covenant promises to them. But this was part of his plan so that he could gather a remnant from the nations. And that this non-people from the nations, from every tribe, every tongue, a people would bring jealousy towards the nation of Israel that would enable them to turn towards the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And for us to full, understand the full encompassing of, of Rav Shaul's teaching, we have to understand what is written and taught in Romans chapter 10 and chapter 11. Otherwise, what has been seeping into the body of Messiah? But replacement theology and anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism is growing in the United States and Europe and around the world as never before. And so this, we need to be praying. And so Father God, I just lift up the Jewish people throughout the whole earth that they would have that veil of blindness removed from their eyes. That they would see Yeshua Messiah as the only way to God the Father. Father, for those who are making Aliyah to the land, I pray that you'd open up that opportunity for them. They'd be able to sell their homes, sell their businesses, 
so that as you're drawing them towards the land. But in that process, I pray, Almighty God, for their safety. I pray, Father God, for the pilots that are flying those planes. I thank you, Father, that you're drawing them back to the land. And I ask, oh God, that you give them provision. And the greatest provision that they'll ever receive is coming to know Yeshua as their beloved Messiah. We ask this in Yeshua's name.